0: Check this out. Well, I'm the best corner of the game. When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. Don't you ever talk about me. Don't you open your mouth about the best. Or I'm going to send it for you real quick. Live in the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C.
1: Martin Show. Hey, don't roll it. Hit it downhill.
0: With power, you're running straight downhill. You know where we're coming, and we know where y'all are going to be lined up at. No, you just got to stop. I'm saying I'm better than you. It's the doctor, TC Martin. Beast mode is already inside The doctor is now in. The
1: beast is alive and well. Hour number two on this manic Monday, if you're a Raider fan. Maybe magnificent Monday if uh, you're Indianapolis Colts fan or Minnesota Vikings fan impressive victories for them we will recap what our eyes saw yesterday on the gridiron matt holt will join us a little bit later this hour and we get ready for a little monday night football tonight as the tampa bay buccaneers take on the new york giants looking forward to that 515 kickoff and uh, let's go to the stadium right now don't hesitate participate raymond james stadium and our man on the scene T.J. Reeves, you know, I love saying that because he's always saying, you know, you're the man on the scene when he wants to talk boxing or Raiders or whatever else I have going on here. So now I get to throw it back at him that he is our man actually on the scene, uh, just left the tailgate pow- uh, party, saw our good friend Paul Buck Power Stewart, who probably is hammer-timed in the parking lot, and now T.J. Reeves making his way through security up to the radio booth to uh, get ready for tonight's Monday night football game. He'll be on the radio call there in the greater Tampa Bay area. What's happening, my friend? Always good to be with the doctor, especially when we're ready for Monday night
0: football. And, yes, the tailgating is at, uh, I would say, about 125% right now for this one. There are some that have been here since earlier this afternoon, some that did not pace themselves properly. I will say this, there are a lot of Giants jerseys walking around the stadium. I don't know how many of them have tickets. I don't know how loud it will be if the Giants do anything in this game, but it is interesting. There are a lot of Giants fans that have made their way down here, and uh, we shall see what's going to happen here coming up in about two hours or so with the Buccaneers trying to get back on the winning track against the Giants team that really hasn't played that bad over the course of the last month, including – beating those Raiders
1: when last we saw them before the bye week, he thing. Yep, yeah, the Giants 3-6, and six, like you said, coming down to the, the beating of the Raiders back in the Middlelands, 23-16. Uh, to 16. That was two weeks ago. And, you know, TJ, this this you it know, doesn't surprise me if there's Giant fans. I mean, Giant fans in Florida, I mean, are you kidding me? And plus they're going to come down. I mean, they support their team through thick and thin, probably even more so than than Jets fans. But anyway, uh, yeah, not going to surprise me if there's some blue and – Uh, You know, in that stadium there tonight, you know, Daniel Jones threw for only 110 yards against the Raiders, but he was 15 for 20 more of that dink and dunk variety. But uh, do you get the sense because I've gotten the sense that the Giants are much better than the three and six record indicates? Well, the defense has held them
0: in on that. And he obviously had the 300 yard pass game at the Superdome when they won that game in overtime. And let us not forget, Doctor, that the first Daniel Jones start came in this stadium two years ago, Bruce Arians' first season, against the Buccaneers, and on a closing drive, he had a couple of huge completions, and then the storybook fourth down play on a quarterback draw, he scores with under a minute to go to put the Giants up, and then the Giants... Uh, proceeded to allow the Buccaneers complete a long pass, get the clock stop, and try about a 45-yard field goal that was no good at the end. So Daniel Jones' first start is a win in this stadium with him making a heroic play. And there are plenty of Buccaneer players on the defense, the likes of Levante David, Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul. They all remember what happened there, and we'll see if somebody tries to level Daniel Jones, if he takes off running tonight.
1: Now, that wasn't uh, Ali Haji-Sheik uh, missing that field goal for the Giants, was it? <laughs> <laughs> no, or, or Raul Allegre. or uh, any of the Barr brothers, uh, there, or anybody else that uh, might uh,
0: have kick there, for them. There
1: you go. I was going to go with the Matt Bar, Penn State. There you go, my friend. All field right. face mask uh, Bar, right?
0: Because yeah. the, their name was Barr, right? Okay. So, yes.
1: Correct, Mundo. All right. Your Buccaneers have lost two in a row. What is the mood with this team heading into tonight's game? I think they're angry. I think
0: they're they're embarrassed by the fact that they didn't play well last week. And it's one thing that Washington did some good things, but the Buccaneers allowed them, almost empowered them, to hang in in that game. And, of course, now it's a week-to-week league. You come back the next week and you look at what Washington did in the second half yesterday to beat Carolina and did the Buccaneers a favor, that, that that loss doesn't sting as much when you watch what Heineke did Your guy, Taylor Heineke, the quarterback, and how Washington won that game. I think this team has been chomping at the bit all week to get a chance to get back out here and start better than they started last week. I mean, the game began, for God's sake, with a false start on the first play of the game. The game continued with Brady with two first-quarter interceptions. That's only like the second time in his career that that had happened. By the way, Tom Brady has only lost three games in a row one time ever. That was his second season 2002. They actually lost four in a row that year. By the way, that's the year the B U C C A N E E R S, Go Bucks, won the Super Bowl O two when the defending champion Patriots lost four in a row and eventually uh, bowed out in the uh, in the postseason. So I think Brady's gonna be ready to go. I think the Bucks are going to be keyed up because you do not want to be hearing questions about six and four, three straight losses and things like that. We'll see if he's locked in. We'll see if they're locked in coming up.
1: So let me ask you this. The last time we saw the Giants on national television, they Gave the Chiefs fits. You know, with yeah. with with that defense, and it gave him a f- Mahomes fits, and especially the way, like you said, that Brady is coming off these two games losses to the Saints in in Washington, where he didn't perform well. Like I said, two interceptions in each one of those games. Do you think it's something schematically here that the Giants are doing defensively? I'm not even sure if it's personnel wise or not. But do you think Arians and company have they been looking at this? And and you know, I hope they're not overlooking this Giants team because that's danger. Because what I saw with that Giants. Defensive, defensively, the way they confuse Mahomes and put him in some precarious situations, you know, for your sake I hope that that's not going to happen and hope hopefully that Brady and the Bucks' offense is prepared for this
0: Well, and that's, that's one of the things they've had to analyze, uh, you know, a couple of points One, the Chiefs offensive line, not very good Now they've gotten their act together the last couple of games, but Mahomes was getting hit and pressured constantly and that's what the Buccaneers cannot have tonight with Tom Brady, and you're right I mean, they've had an extra week now to scheme up some blitzes, scheme up some disguise, uh, disguise coverages, things such as that. We'll see how much that factors in as this game unfolds tonight. Uh, it does look like positive news. We'll find this out officially, I believe, at the top of the hour. Coming up at 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific is when the inactives have to be declared. It may even be about 15 minutes from now. I'm almost nebulous when these games begin at like 8.15 Eastern time, 5.15 in the West is when is the 90-minute cutoff? Is it a quarter till? Is it at the bottom of the hour, the top of the hour? It's kind of like T.C. Martin's reservations uh, at the uh, Blue Ribbon at the Cosmopolitan. It's just whenever the doctor shows up. But anyway, when the inactives are out, if Rob Gronkowski is active, that's advantage Buccaneers. That means they believe that he can give them 20, 30, maybe more plays uh, to go down the field and make a play. But more importantly, T.C., to be an extra blocker. They have missed that here in the five games that he's missed. With the broken ribs and the and the back spasms, him lining up as a sixth blocker on that offensive line, I think will help them if Grunt can play. We'll find out more if he can play in a little bit.
1: Turnovers, costly penalties, yes. and the D yes. and the defense not getting off the field on third down—that's uh, what I see. You know, when I've watched the Bucks in, the, in these two losses, uh, is it that TJ or pinpoint the other reasons for uh, the two two straight losses for this team?
0: Well, no, you hit on it. I mean, the biggest thing is self-inflicted with the penalties and with turnovers in both the Saints game, three turnovers, and in the, uh, the game with the Washington football team, two more, with those interceptions in the first half, and it led directly to 10 points for the Washington football team. If if the Buccaneers fumble the ball, if Brady is throwing interceptions, more than one tonight, the Giants are going to have a great chance to win this game. They're going to be right in this game and have a chance to win it. If the Bucks play a clean game without turnovers and very few penalties, it's going to be difficult for the Giants to overcome this here in Tampa.
1: All right. Uh, As we know, Antonio Brown has been injured. Then the news that, you know, what happened last week, the reoccurring issues off the field. Um, What is the story with him, and where does the team stand with him right now? And I I imagine, of course, you know, he is obviously inactive tonight. But what is the sense with him and this team?
0: Well, right now the ankle injury is the biggest thing, and and the Buccaneers have said this coming into the weekend – that his ankle isn't ready to go to get out there and be explosive and make the plays that they need him to make. Obviously, the NFL has yet to come out and say that this huge uh, story about purchase of a fake COVID vaccination card is a hoax and has no merit, and that he's actually vaccinated. The Bucks have said that. The Bucs have now said leave it up to the league to investigate and then to rule any further. So we'll wait to see what happens on that. But for right now, they're missing That deep threat, the guy that can stretch the defense a little bit. And I'll I'll tell you another one. Chris Godwin played in that game in Washington, but he was about 80% at trying to be able to go down the field on long routes with an injured foot for him. We'll see how Godwin looks in the pregame warm-up tonight in this one because that's another factor to take some of the pressure off of Mike Evans. Gronkowski will help with that. Godwin will help with that. We'll see how healthy Godwin is tonight. And Antonio Brown, your guess is as good as mine as, when, uh, as to when we see him again, T.C.
1: And if you have any of those uh, running backs, uh, specifically Leonard Fournette uh, for the Bucks on your fantasy team, what do you think is going to happen with the Bucks? Are they going to really try to establish a run night, or is it one of these nights where Brady goes back and throws the ball 35 times?
0: I think they're going to have to try to get him going in the first half, and even stay with it if it's not working in the first quarter. And that was part of the problem in Washington. They, fought, they fell farther behind. And once they did, they stopped being able to run the ball, set up action, et cetera. I think you will see a concerted effort, even if things aren't going well, on the first couple of drives to continue to hand it to him. And it's interesting because Ronald Jones has basically gone to the deep freeze here. He only played a couple of plays in Washington. He didn't play very much in New Orleans. It appears right now their attitude is it's Leonard Fournette's job, Gio Bernard, Giovanni Bernard some of the time on third down, and Ronald Jones only to spell Fournette for a break or if there's an injury. So that looks like it's the running back rotation for the Bucs tonight, brother.
1: T.J. Reeves is at Raymond James Stadium. Get ready for Monday Night Football. Kicking it off here at 515 Pacific. What happens tonight, my friend? I think the
0: Buccaneers find a way to win this game by a touchdown and maybe more. I think you're looking at a home game here. The previous two losses were on the road. This team's been very good at home. We keep mentioning this for the line. Everybody's looking at the line. What is it now, Doctor? Ten and a to ten, ten ten and a half. half? Eleven. It's eleven. Yeah. All right, the Buccaneers have had three lines of nine points or more at home, and they won and covered against the Falcons. A lot of that was scoring late. Mm-hmm. They dominated the second half with the Dolphins and covered a nine-point line, and they destroyed the Bears on a ten or eleven-point line. So three games with a nine-point line mm-hmm. or more, they covered them all at home. I think this is probably a ten-point touchdown-type win for the Buccaneers tonight, something like 27-17, 31-21, something like that in this game tonight.
1: There you go. All right. He is T.J. Rees. He rolled through the tailgate parties, uh, the yes. food fair. And what about the press box media food? That, that's what we have been talking about. I have the suspicion it will be early Thanksgiving
0: with the turkey oh, yeah. and the sides yeah. and that. But listen, now we got to get you down here because they've got the outstanding Cuban sandwiches. They always have the roast pork. And, uh, and, a, and a bunch of other side dishes up here, too, in the press box. The media is always well-fed. Now, the thing is, the sideline guy doesn't get to be up here at halftime <laughs> in the press box. I got a I ham and egg, as you like to say, down here with a bag of chips right. downstairs until postgame. But uh, we're ready to do this. Enough about my food. Let's see what the Bucs can do. Let's see if about five hours from now if the Buccaneers aren't smiling. Uh, here this evening with a victory that gets them to 7-3 and three and gets the season back on track. You
1: know, it's all about that personal assistant delivering you something fresh, maybe not from the press box, T.J. Reeves, but from one of those uh, uh, eclectic uh, food stands there at Raymond James Stadium, and that's what you do And you chomp down early on in the third quarter. That's what you need to do. Delivery service, my friend. Look into that. All right. Take care. Give me brother.
0: delivery service on a Buccaneer win. I'll take that and then have some postgame food.
1: You and I both, brother. We're, we're rooting for you. All right, brother. Take care. Have a great call.
0: Always great to be with you. Happy Thanksgiving everybody in the desert in Vegas. Be safe. We'll talk to you next week. Let's see what happens on Monday Night
1: Football. All right. There he is. Thanks, brother. T.J. Reeves. There it is, part of the uh, Buccaneers broadcast team. He's got himself a long night. Uh, Not only is he there, and remember, that's a kickoff at 8.15 p.m. Game will get over about 11.15, 11.30. Then he's got a host Post game show, do the interviews with Bruce Arians, and everybody else. And then on the radio side, they got like an extended post post game show. And he's got to be doing that probably till about 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. There you go. And, and I know that how the broadcasts work there in Tampa is a lot like our Raiders broadcast here, that they'll go in and they'll put it on the sports station, but they want the FM signal. And they'll go ahead and broadcast the games on the Rock Station, which they do there in Tampa. So picture that. T.J. Reeves hosting the post-game show at 1 o'clock in the morning. And people probably not used to that kind of stuff at that hour. Uh, you know, late, late night, on, on a Monday night, early Tuesday morning. you got to be getting some requests. I mean, for Free Bird or Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> something like that. Or maybe this. There you go. you got a post-game show. Talking Buccaneers. And people are going to go, we want our music. Let's go. You're not getting any call-ins tonight at 1 o'clock in the morning. I mean, you know, people are going to want to get their groove on. That's it. They want to rock a little bit. Maybe some late-night mellow classic rock, if you know what I mean. All right. Appreciate TJ Rees for joining us live from Raymond James Stadium. Bring it to you. That's how we do it. There it is. Whether it's T-Mobile Arena, Allegiant Stadium, the Raiders facility. We got it all covered: World Series, playoff games, there, Monday Night Football. Got it all for you right there. Oh, th- this this takes me back right here. Yeah, this you used to play this quite a bit back in the day. Yeah, yeah. I think this was one of my rejoiners back in the '90s for my for my show. Yeah, use this one. Yeah, very popular. All right, thank T.J. Reeves for joining us. Sam Gordon, also Heidi Fang. Matt Holt will join us here at the bottom of the hour as we talk more NFL from a betting perspective. And T.J. Reeves mentioned that. The line, 11 points. Openly talking about that, thinking this is going to be a Buccaneers win and cover in covering the 11 points. Naked eye, I mean, it sounds like that should happen. But the reality of it, these Giants play some good defense. And Daniel Jones is getting better. With the bye week, how do the Giants respond? Did they come up big? They get ambushed by the Buccaneers because if the Bucks put everything together, like they did last year, November and December, they could write their own score. But this Giants team, and again, I go back to what they did against Kansas City, confused Mahomes. Did a very good job on the defense side of the ball, and the Giants are getting more healthy, both sides of the ball as well. Too, it's going to be interesting little inflated line? I think so. Hesitant to lay 11 with the Bucks, but knowing they're coming off two losses in a row, pretty hesitant uh, to take the Giants as, as well, too. So there you go. All right. Let's uh, get you caught up to date here uh, on the Raiders, and Henry Ruggs is back in court today. We told you we'd keep you up to date. Everything that happens in the story, even though we preface this being a very sad story as we know, but um, Henry Ruggs actually appeared in court today with his uh, attorneys and got a very stern talking to from the judge as Ruggs appeared uh, today downtown with his uh, lawyer team and the judge was basically telling Ruggs that uh not acceptable that uh, for him to miss these alcohol, uh, drug and alcohol tests. So the judge said it was allowed to remain under house arrest with a continuous alcohol monitor on one ankle and a GPS monitor on the other. Of course, following that fatal crash where he's accused of, of causing the death of Tina Tintor and her dog uh, by driving drunk. The uh, Justice of the Peace, uh, Susan Bacham told Ruggs and the lawyers that she was comfortable with a higher level of monitoring after a hearing about a delay in Ruggs providing a remote breath alcohol test with a handheld device taken back on November the 13th. Here's a quote uh, from the judge. She said, if there are any misses, if there are any problems, if there is any alcohol detected in your system, you need to know, That's going to be problematic for this court going forward. Uh, His attorneys, David Chesnoff, Richard Schoenfeld, said that Ruggs took a test anyway uh, out of an abundance of caution back on November the 13th and met a three-hour requirement by submitting the negative test. Uh, Chesnoff said, Henry still did the right thing by testing within the window. He should not be punished because his case attracts so much attention. Now, since the, his November 3rd release from jail, which was a $150,000 bond, uh, Ruggs has passed more than 77 breath alcohol tests. Uh, this is what his lawyer had told the, ju- uh, the judge today. They also submitted testimonials from two people who said they were with Ruggs when he missed the call on November the 13th and didn't hear a signal from the monitor. So that's uh, what they're saying. So again, like everything, you know, from the onset after this crash, you know, happened. There are there are two sides to this. And um it'll all get played out in court. And again, uh Ruggs actually appeared in court. Looked to be I don't know if anyone saw the video of that looked to be walking pretty good. And uh I guess there was a little dissertation between Ruggs uh, attorney and uh one of his other I guess uh Co co attorneys, uh, we we got some audio. Is this leg- this audio legible here? Or okay, let's give it a shot. So they're walking out of the courtroom, and to set the scene here, I guess. And I don't know if you'll be able to he- hear the audio, but we'll play it here. Give it a shot. That um, that they wanted to try his entourage or the people with Ruggs's party wanted to try to cover Ruggs when he was leaving the courtroom, like put you know a veil or something around him to to not you know have his picture shown, you know by. Anyone taking pictures, paparazzi's or or T V news media. And I guess one of his attorneys says, No, you don't have to cover him up. And then another one of his handlers turned around and said, Oh, well, should he pose for the camera? So let's play this back and see if we can pick it up. So she says, oh, should we pose for the picture? And she turned and smiled. And then they're going, no, no, they're having this conversation while they're walking out outside of the courtroom. Wow. That's not not a good look. I mean, again, your whole team has to be on the same page here. Play that back. You got it again? Play it back one more time. Because a lot of people maybe didn't hear it now that we, we uh, set it up for them. Here we go again. Uh, Henry Ruggs walking outside towards their vehicles. You don't have to block him. That's what he said. Yeah. Oh, boy. All right. So we'll continue tomorrow to monitor this. Uh, Ruggs uh, do back in court uh, next week as well. So, all right. Raiders. Uh, terrible performance. Again, 32-13. to 13. The woes continue. They lost three in a row. Giants, Kansas City, Bengals yesterday. Raiders really... They were in this game, had a lead, right? 10 to 6. Had a lead. We're right there. Trailing 16 to 13, never scored again. As it was a Joe Burrow show, even though he only had 148 yards yesterday, completed 20 of 29 passes, one touchdown, but he had command of the offense. He was making the throws. And talk about his college connection with Jamar Chase over at LSU. They were on on target with a touchdown pass. But the precision in his throws, uh, hitting his receivers in tight windows, and then there was Joe Mixon running the football. 30 carries for Joe Mixon. That's how you run it. That's how you co- commit to the run. And, of course, he had over 100 yards. You're going to do that, carrying it 30 times. 123 yards for Joe Mixon. The Raiders have been outscored 96 to 43 during their bye week. It's just been bad, plain and simple. And yes, this is the same Raiders team that we have been accustomed to seeing over the last few years, even going back in Oakland. And if you just start following the Raiders, going back to last year, you saw this collapse last year. This year they were five and two. Right? They were six and two last year. Six and two. And look what they did: finished five hundred. Not. Not a good situation for the Raiders because the schedule does get tougher now and fewer home games left on the schedule. And now you've got to go play Dallas, play the Cowboys, that top-ranked offense on Thanksgiving Day coming up on Thursday. And we played the Derek Carr audio. If you missed that, you can go to the website You know, later. and hear that in the first hour. But he's not happy. He's sick and tired of facing the media and basically having to make excuses. And all he wants to do, and he's said this time and time again over the years, he just wants to win. Well, he's got to play better because Carr was bad yesterday. Coughed up a fumble there at the end. Uh, Was not even looking to the end zone. Whether that's play calling, whether that's the receiver's not getting open, you got to make something happen. And when Carr does not have the ability to scramble out and move, defenses can just throw another defender. As way, you know, no need, no need to, to, to mirror him. You know, you don't have to shout at him. He's not going to take off and burn you in running. It's not going to happen. But uh, the only successful touchdown drive they had yesterday was in, when they were down, they had some sense of urgency, three play drive, 75 yards, two big passes to Waller back to back. And then they connect to Foster Moreau for the touchdown pass, three plays, less than a minute. That was Fantastic. Where was that? Where was that before that? Nowhere to be found. And then when the Raiders start to get maybe a potential backdoor, um, you know, touchdown at the end, Carr fumbles, gives it up, and what happens? Less than two minutes to go, Cincinnati attacks on another field goal. Embarrassing performance by the Raiders yesterday, losing thirty-two to thirteen. All right, when we come back. We'll talk to Matt Holt. We'll give you the breakdown of the rest that took place yesterday. Eight underdogs. Cover again yesterday. Uh, good day for the dogs. And then we'll preview tonight's Monday Night Football game. Also, Giants-Bucks. Hi, this is Bill Beer and you're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. All right. If you liked uh, a majority of the favorites yesterday, weren't feeling too good. Man, we'll uh, start talking about those. And then, of course, uh, underdogs come through. But eight, eight times yesterday, the dogs uh, came cashing in. And what will happen tonight as the Buccaneers take on the Giants? And our good friend Matthew Holt joins us from U.S. Integrity. Matt, what's going down?
2: Oh, I'm so bummed out, TC. I mean, I just
1: wanted to win Survivor so
2: bad this year, and I am out.
1: I know he's out. Ladies and gentlemen. he me. All right, should we play uh' we play some music for Matt no, that's sad, it's sad, it's sad. I don't want to play the taps because that's 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 really sad. The Tennessee Titans, and I imagine there were a lot of people that had the Titans over the lowly Houston Texans yesterday as well too I don't know matt it's this this game. I looked at that game and I'm going like Tennessee's got to be able to win that game, but there's just something about that game and that team it's like. I don't know what it was, and again, I I, want, I was rooting for you. I was rooting for anybody else that had the Titans. It just was one of those weird, strange games where the the Texans. I mean, not only did they just this wasn't no backdoor win here. I mean, they basically jumped out ahead with these guys, and they controlled the game for the majority of the game.
2: Yeah, the problem for me was the meta game within Survivor. So I I mean, Tennessee was the second most pick selection yesterday of the 173 people left. Cleveland was number 1, but I thought it was a bad meta game play, especially for my team because we had already used the Indianapolis Colts and we had already used the Green Bay Packers. So we had already used two of the four teams playing on Christmas Day as you know, Christmas Day it's one week in Survivor. So if, if we had used Cleveland, we literally would have had to take in the Arizona Cardinals on Christmas Day. I thought, boy, we can't take Cleveland. We have to have at least one team in each game for options on Christmas Day. So you start going down the list. Okay, we could have used Baltimore, but Lamar Jackson was out. Oof, that game goes down to a pick Um We had already used the San Francisco 49ers, so we couldn't use them. We already used the Bucks. There just weren't any options left. We had already used the Bengals, so really it, it was like there were so many teams missing. It was flip a coin or take the 10-point favorite in the Tennessee Titans. We decided to go with the 10-point favorite, and we're out.
1: So what teams did you have available going into yesterday?
2: So we could have taken Cleveland, but again, we just. Right. Why we did right, it. right, right. Uh, Baltimore again, but you know with Lamar Jackson out, that okay. didn't seem too good. Um, so how many
1: teams left do you have at your disposal?
2: I mean, we had used eleven. We were eleven, 11 weeks, eleven
1: weeks, right? So you used eleven. So we had so good, yeah,
2: twenty-one teams left, but right. not a lot of them. You know, you had a couple of teams on buys, including the Rams, who we yeah. hadn't used. Okay, and then you had a bunch of coin flip games. Who wants to use New Orleans or you <laughs> right, know, right? Dallas or Kansas City we had both of them left but that's a coin flip game on paper just you know we couldn't we didn't want to flip a coin we had the 10 point favorite available and not a lot of other good options so we went with it
1: so does Thanksgiving call you talked about Christmas count as its own days Thanksgiving do, Thanksgiving do that? As well
2: yes it, it, which it, is why we hadn't used the Buffalo Bills yet so right. we still had Buffalo and Dallas but right. we had intentionally saving both for thanksgiving of
1: course of course and i I would imagine you know you were probably looking at using dallas especially knowing they play the raiders as well too i i would imagine that would be a a slam dunk thought too but buffalo
2: came up as an option this week but we didn't like buffalo nobody liked buffalo and i mean off for good reasons. they got whipped at home by the indianapolis Colts, so that wouldn't have done us any better
1: I feel for you, my man, because you gave it a great run there. I mean, no question. I mean, think about it you you outlasted. I mean, how how many? Oh, over two hundred people yeah. over.
2: Over thousand people. That's what I'm least. saying.
1: Over four thousand people. So, yeah. so kudos and congratulations to that. Now, with a survivor, is that just a winner take all, or do they winner take
2: all? Four yeah, thousand
1: four hundred people in it, and one person gets all the money. It's oh, brutal. And that's the thing, though. I mean, you know, going into it. I mean, if yeah. you're in some of the other contests where they're paying the top twenty or fifty places, you know, you you could feel pretty good. Like, okay, I have a bad week, and but you know, I I could still end up in the money, and even make a profit for the season. With Survivor, don't don't you prepare yourself? I mean, you almost have to, right, to prepare yourself. Well, I know the balloon's going to pop at, at yeah. one point in time, but then as you get so close, I mean, then when it does pop, it even hurts more.
2: Yeah, they're down to less than 100 people now, and it's uh. just – still, even with 100 people, so out of 4,400, you're down to 100, each of those people left have a 1% chance. Right. Getting the six million.
1: All right. Unbelievable. All right. Well, I feel bad for him, my man. But hey, we'll continue uh, handicapping uh, some winners here. So you mentioned not liking Buffalo yesterday. Uh the Colts definitely were the right side. Uh they led from the onset. Uh they were they were getting, you know, seven, seven and a half points in this game. Uh What are you seeing when you look at this Buffalo Bills team now? You know, I've always had the question marks with Josh Allen, and it seems more so of recent times than than ever before. I'm really questioning this guy's decision making.
2: Yeah, I I don't know what to think of them right now. They remind me of Baltimore last year and the year before. You know, think of Lamar Jackson after he took over that first year, and then Baltimore last year were they really beat up on bad teams but then when they got in a dogfight a little bit they they weren't like you knew if you had baltimore and they got down they weren't coming back lamar jackson's not leading them back to victory and that suddenly feels like the buffalo bills you know they beat miami 35 to nothing earlier when miami was struggling beat washington 42 by like whatever by 21 points beat the texans 40 to nothing when you know when they had mills starting and nothing going right for them, but then they get in a tight game against Tennessee and lose. They get in a dog fight against Jacksonville where they had to pull it out at the end and they lose to the Jags. And you know they lost to Pittsburgh week one in a game where again they were in a dog fight all game. And if it's a dog fight and you're in it going into the fourth quarter, or have the lead. Buffalo has not been able to come from behind at all, even if it's just one score down. If the Bills are down in the fourth, it seems like they're not handling nerves well at all and are not able to handle the adversity, where on the other side, just like the Baltimore Ravens last year, if you let this team get out to a big lead on you, they will just run up that score.
1: So Allen made some some costly turnovers yesterday. The weather was a factor, but it wasn't a factor for Carson Wentz. I mean, this guy had a very good game yesterday, and we talk all about this Buffalo defense. I expected, you know, them to turn Wentz over, make some mistakes. Sure, well you got Jonathan Taylor having the season that he's having. I mean that that's fine and dandy, but you know, you're on your home field, weather shouldn't be a concern. I mean, Buffalo looked at a severe disadvantage yesterday, and now we look ahead because we got the short week. And it's just not one crummy game on Thursday. I mean, we're looking at, you know, Thursday, Thanksgiving. So we've got the Raiders and Cowboys. We've got the Bills and the Saints. Of course we've got the Bears and Lions, and that's that that is definitely a crummy game. That's a mess. But if you're the Buffalo Bills on the short week and now you gotta to travel to the Saints, I mean the Saints at home, I always fear them a little bit, but Trevor Simeon controls. It's scary. Uh, Buffalo is only a four and a half point choice, but how do you view this game? Because uh, you know, I'd like to say, okay, well, Buffalo's going to bounce back, but I just don't know if I can trust this team right now.
2: I'll tell you, I have a betting strategy around the Bills right now, and it's really simple for me. If they if they're up a touchdown or ten points after the first quarter, then I just go ahead and lay the number in play because this team is a bully when they have the lead. But if they're down, you know, it is late second quarter or something, and, and again, they could be down three points, four points, seven points in the second quarter and still be a favorite on the in-play number. I'm playing against the Buffalo Bills because they haven't shown the ability to handle any type of adversity yet this season.
1: You're right. All right, Matt Holt joins us. All right, Matt, let's uh, look at tonight's game. Give me some thoughts. The Buccaneers have lost two in a row. Brady hasn't been good. Last time we saw this Giants team on national television was against the Chiefs where they played very well, and their defense came up very big, uh, confusing Mahomes. Mahomes did not have a – Uh, a big game at all. Kelsey was limited. Hill was limited. And then the Giants, you know, before their bye week, they beat the Raiders, you know, uh, right after that. So this Giants team, a little bit better uh, than they look maybe on on paper. They're getting a little bit more healthy. Do you think the Giants defense can give Brady and this Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense some trouble tonight?
2: First of all, I'm a little surprised this was the Monday night game. I mean, Dallas-Kansas City wasn't on Sunday night. You knew, if nothing else, When the schedule came out, if if you're the schedule maker you'd have Dak Prescott and Pat Mahomes, it'd be a shootout, probably a lot of fun on Monday night. This game had blowout written over it from last year, from where their schedule came out, it's a you know, it's a twelve point, eleven point spread tonight. I'm a little bit surprised that Dallas, Kansas City wasn't the Monday night game, but now that this is the Monday night game, let's focus on what we have tonight. And what we have tonight is a really important football game for both teams. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are still in it to get that number one seed in the West. And the New York Giants, with Dallas losing again yesterday to the Kansas City Chiefs, a win here by the New York Giants, and suddenly the NFC Least is wide open again. A big game for both teams You know, I don't know what to make of the Giants. They're really tricky because sometimes they don't just lose. They lose emphatically. And Daniel Jones has a tendency to turn the football over. But he hasn't been turning the football over lately. And when he doesn't turn the football over, they're pretty good. In fact, he only has one interception in his last three starts compared to four touchdowns. And, oh, what a surprise. They're two and one in those last three starts with wins over the Raiders and the Carolina Panthers. And to your point, they almost upset the Kansas City Chiefs, losing twenty to seventeen. So the formula for the New York Giants is simple: if Daniel Jones doesn't turn the football over, there's a good chance the New York Giants could stay within that eleven point spread.
1: Right. And just to go ahead, and and you were bringing up the point about why wasn't this, uh, you know. you know, why is this a Monday night game? Uh, yeah, I think you go back – definitely you go back to the Cowboys and Chiefs, they're not going to have them play on a Monday night because obviously Dallas has the Thanksgiving Day game, so you're not going to play a Monday and a Thursday. So I know that's why that game wasn't uh, on Monday, but they could have maybe made somebody else, like you said, instead of this game. You look at the Sunday night game last night, Pittsburgh and the Chargers, like, mm, I don't know. You know, maybe – you know, that, that – maybe they, that, that could have been your Monday night game. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, with Cowboys playing on Thursday – you know that's why they they weren't uh, playing on Monday. To make
2: sense for that game, I'm yeah. just surprised with so many options. Green Bay, right. I guess uh, there was a lot of options of games that seemed like they would have fit better. At the end of the day, in an isolated game, what you don't want to see is big, huge, double-digit
1: points spread. Yeah. And you know it is painful usually to watch the Lions on Thanksgiving Day. And then you know you're usually going to get them against the NFC North opponent. Well, it's going to be the Bears. I mean, seriously. I mean, this has got to be one of the, the biggest horrible games that we've seen. And you've got to kick off your Thanksgiving Day with the 0 and nine, or I, we should say the 0 nine and one Lions against the three and seven Bears. And it just seems like it's just a matter of time before Matt Nagy gets fired. I mean, this is one atrocious game. How do you even handicap this game on, on Thursday morning?
2: tough. I mean, that really is <laughs> tough. You're right. And, and I'm not, I, you know, I have a feeling it's not going to get a ton of handle. I know you say, well, Thanksgiving games, they all get a ton of handle. Uh, I think, you know, because it's so early anyway, it's the kickoff game. What we'll see is that the next two are going to get a ton of handle, but but I don't know what to make of that game. I still think at the end of the day, there's too much optimism on the Chicago Bears, week in, week out. Look, once Lamar Jackson went out, this game this week went to a pick'em, and I know the Bears only lost by three. But what about the Bears' offense? Makes you think they should be a pick'em against anybody. And now they're going to go on the road and lay three and a half points. That means they'd have to score more than three points. And and I'm just not sure. I don't have any confidence that they can do that. So you know, the only time that Justin Fields has even looked somewhat okay is when they're down big and teams are playing prevent, and he's able to sort of, you know, get some – he had that one run, I guess, against the San Francisco 49ers. But other than that, he picks up a lot of garbage yards and they don't move the ball at all for three quarters. So I'm just – you know, if anything, I would just blindly take the Detroit Lions and hold my nose. But, I mean, that is a stinky way to start your Thanksgiving.
1: Matt, there's good news here. You can sleep in Thursday morning, okay? You can even stay up later on Wednesday. No need to get up. Go ahead. Get the extra hour or two sleep on Thursday. You That's deserve it. What
2: I was thinking, yeah. Was, <laughs> why not? Because the next two games are really good and really interesting.
1: Okay, so let's talk about that. we got the Raiders and the Cowboys. Dallas is a seven-point favorite. Raiders have lost three in a row. This team obviously is is a mess right now. I mean, emotionally, schematically. I mean, the egg that they laid yesterday against the Bengals was just inexcusable for a team that needed to win badly. And now you've got the Cowboys and that high-octane offense going on the road on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, this thing could be really ugly for the Raiders.
2: Here's the problem, though. Is that Cowboys offense really high-octane? Because in two of their last three games, if you throw out that route of the Falcons, which just came out of nowhere, True. and just look at the other two games they played against Denver and Kansas City in their last three games, they've been outscored 49-25. I mean, they only scored nine points against Kansas City, who isn't known for their defense, and lost 30-16 to 16 to the Broncos, and it wasn't that close. So yeah. I mean I think there's some real question marks with this Cowboys team.
1: Yeah, I mean you go back to the you know the last game in September and then throughout October they scored 41, 38, 44, 35 and that was against the Eagles, the Panthers, the Giants and the and the Patriots. And then when they went to Minnesota they only scored 20 and like you mentioned, you know the Bronco game was a disaster. That was 30 to nothing they were down and then they got you know, two backdoor touchdowns, two two point conversions, they scored 16. But, and then, like you said, then they turned it up against the Lowly Falcons. So, yeah, but against this Raider defense, I think it turns back into high octane because, you know, Cincinnati doesn't have a an offense that's going to blow you away. But, I mean, Joe Burrow looked fantastic yesterday and was just more of the precision and did what they did. I think Cincinnati only punted twice yesterday.
2: Yeah, I think that right now, I mean, as bad as the Raiders' defense is playing right now, you could make a case that their offense right now is as bad as anybody in the NFL. They've lost five of their last seven games, and in those five losses scored 14, 9, 16, 14, and 13. They didn't hit 20 points in any of those losses. That is unbelievable. That is unacceptable. It is impossible to win games in the NFL in 2021 when you can't even get to 20 points and the and the the Las Vegas Raiders have failed to reach 20 points in all five losses this season.
1: All right. Most exciting game yesterday was the Vikings and the Packers. That thing went back and forth, went down to the wire and uh, the Vikings end up uh, winning this contest. What are your thoughts about the Vikings? This is a team that basically every game, it's been a one-score game, whether they're, they've won it that way or they've lost it that way. They showed up big yesterday, and do you think this Vikings team finally turns it around? And and again, I know that uh, they're, they're still trailing the Packers, but you know they showed they could beat Green Bay yesterday.
2: Yeah, I actually took a couple small flyers on Saturday before the Sunday game started on two teams to make the playoffs at pretty good plus money. I took the Cleveland Browns at plus 170 and the Minnesota Vikings at plus 185, both of them yes to make the playoffs. This is a Minnesota team that had a lot of unfortunate losses early in the season. If you remember and you go back to the very early part of the season – you know, they lost at Cincinnati by a field goal. They lost at Arizona by one point in a game that they probably should have won. Uh, lost a really close game to, to Cleveland. Uh, lost a four-point game to, to the Dallas Cowboys and lost by three against the Baltimore Ravens and that crazy finish to that game. This is a team that really right now should be 7-3 and three at least. If you just take all those coin flips – and split the difference and give them two of the four wins, then they're 7-3 and three and certainly a playoff team. And I have to like the favorable schedule going forward at Detroit, Pittsburgh at home, the Bears still on that roster. Plenty of wins out there. Bears twice still on the roster for the Minnesota Vikings. So plenty of wins still available out there. And I think when it's all said and done, the Vikings are going to be in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, and the road games aren't really tough. I mean, they do have to close against the Packers. But, again, they go to Chicago, they go to Detroit. You know, San Francisco, I mean, that, you know, that, could, be, uh, that could be questionable. So, yeah, that's, that's maybe a good wager, especially getting plus money like you are there. All right.
2: Yeah, nine or ten wins is going to get you in the playoffs, even with a seventeen-game schedule, because it's so wide open in the West, in the NFC. All
1: right. You brought up the Browns. What do you make of this team? We know Mayfield has been injured, but uh, they answered the the bell yesterday. Um, thoughts on that?
2: Look, for me, this team is really simple to diagnose. When Nick Chubb is healthy, that this team is able to do what they want to do, which is be a run first really strong defensive football team and Nick Chubb again yesterday did what Nick Chubb does
0: 22 carries
2: 130 yards when Nick and look Nick Chubb the good thing is he hasn't had injuries this year it's all covid related So I think the rest actually may have helped him not being on the field for those games uh, dealing with COVID issues. But whenever he's on there, this team is uh, the best running team in football that allows Baker Mayfield to play action off the pass. Everything works better for the Cleveland Browns when they're running the football, and that simply starts with Nick Chubb being healthy and on the field.
1: Browns are at Baltimore. That's going to be your Sunday night game to wrap up a long Thanksgiving Day weekend. That should be a good one. Uh, Browns and Ravens, and again, both teams definitely need uh, this game. You talk about Monday Night Football, Matt, next week. I don't know how excited we're going to be uh, for that. Uh, Seattle at Washington.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, I think you're right. You just hit the nail on the head where the premier game of the week is going to be Cleveland-Baltimore. I think that's the one uh, division on the line right there. Baltimore still in first place right now at 7-3. and three. And amazingly, the Cleveland Browns still in last place in the AFC North at 6-5. and five. Uh, So, I mean, you're talking about a team right now. I mean, The leader of the division has seven wins. The last-place team has six wins. That division is so tight. That game is so important next week. I can't can't wait. I'm really excited for that game. I think Cleveland pulls it off. All
1: right. Speaking of excited, let's change gears a little bit, Matt. As we know, very, very busy sports weekend again here uh, in Vegas. Uh, We had... You know the boxing with Crawford and Porter, and of course we had uh, the you know, the Raiders yesterday. But the college basketball has been fantastic, and now the, starting today, the Maui Invitational is is happening. Uh, you know, eight great teams. You know, here for that, and then don't forget tomorrow night we've got UCLA facing Gonzaga, old number one, number two, the rematch uh, you know, from last year's Final Four. Uh, both teams actually actually are in action tonight uh, in basically walkover games, but Gonzaga UCLA tomorrow night mobile arena and then followed by more action at the uh, mandalay bay and then the orleans has a tournament as well too this is college hoops heaven already
2: i am so excited tc you know i'm a college hoops junkie i love all the tournaments in town i love this early season action i've been so impressed with purdue arizona arizona just absolutely manhandled michigan last night yep. Love the way Arizona's playing and St. Bonaventure. Boy, have the Bonnies look great early. Look, I, I guarantee you this. I will be down there tonight, and I cannot wait to watch St. Mary's versus Notre Dame. A lot of sharp guys I know said, watch out for Randy Bennett's squad this year. They have a ton of talent, they returned everybody from last year plus some really exciting incoming talent. I had a chance to watch them a couple times already this season and was really impressed. I think that's going to be a great game, Notre Dame and St. Mary's. And a little teaser, I bet St. Mary's at 12-1 to to win the Maui.
1: Well, look at that. All right. My guy Randy Bennett as well. All right. that's uh, He does. He does have a very good team this year. And they got a lot of returning starters. He did a good job of recruiting as well. And I think they match up pretty well against Notre Dame. So that's that is good. Yeah, we had uh, this, what, Wisconsin and uh, A&M we had this morning. And, of course, uh, you, know, it, you know, Chaminade in yeah. the tournament. But, uh, you know, Chaminade not playing uh, on, on the island. They had played Nashville, or rather Asheville, North Carolina last year. And now the Maui is here in, in Vegas at the Mandalay Bay. So at least, uh, you know, give the Maui Invitational credit. They're working their way back to Hawaii. Uh, I'm glad that we're on the West Coast and here in Las Vegas for the Maui this year.
2: I know, basically, Oregon got a buy, which is why they were co-favorites to win the Maui with Houston. I think it was Houston plus 220, uh, Oregon plus 250, uh, and then, of course, Wisconsin, the third choice, Notre Dame, the fourth. St. Mary's way down there, but I'm telling you, this team's really good. Look, Wisconsin did look good this morning. Yep. That Texas A&M team's pretty athletic. They get after it, and Wisconsin... Beat them by double digits. Houston, of course, taking care of business this morning against Butler. We're going to get some great games going into this tournament the next round. Wisconsin versus Houston is a wonderful early season matchup. And hopefully if St. Mary's pulls the upset, we can see the Ducks and Randy Bennett, St. Mary Gale.
1: That would be great. All right, and shout-out to UNLV, too. Uh, played played Michigan a uh, very tough Friday night. And then w- Wichita State, a game they probably should have won, but they committed a foul you know, as uh, ATN was driving the, the sideline last night and a foul, he hits the two free throws, and Wichita State gets a one point uh, victory, but a great action little at T Mobile uh, on Friday little and Sunday.
2: A little tense at the end last night, TC. Yeah. You know, they had to, Kevin Kruger, they had to hold him back a little yeah. bit. I love the passion, though.
1: Yep, yep, and the UNLV is going to – they are fun to watch this year. And, again, uh, that, it was nice watching those teams. And, like you said, Arizona just manhandling Michigan last night. But uh, great action here in Vegas. All right, brother, we appreciate you. Enjoy your weekend, and happy Thanksgiving to you, uh, the boys, the family, everybody. And we'll talk to you next week.
2: Happy Hey, happy Thanksgiving to you as well, TC, and all the listeners out there. Best of luck tonight. Take care.
1: There he is. All right, let's get some luck tonight on the football field, on the hardwood All of it there. All right, Matt Holt. Appreciate him for joining us. TJ Reeves live from Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay. Getting ready for tonight's Buccaneers-Giants game. And earlier on, appreciate Sam Gordon, Heidi Fang, both from the Las Vegas Review-Journal as we talked. Crawford Porter and the Raiders-Bengals from yesterday. Remember, I will be out the rest of the week. Chris Wynn will be sitting in for me tomorrow and Wednesday. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Thursday, we've got best of. Friday, Best Of, Nunchuck, Music Show, I'm putting it on you. So Thursday, Friday, we've got Best Of, maybe a replay of the T.C. Martin Show song fest. All right? <laughs> I'll be back on Monday, but uh, continue listening. See when we'll have Brian Salmon, our good friend from News 3, the sports director, uh, on tomorrow as well, too. Those guys will be talking a lot of college hoops, so keep listening. And remember, go to the website for everything at tcmartinshow.com. Have yourself a great week, a great weekend coming up, a very happy Thanksgiving, and I will talk to you next Monday at 2 o'clock. Take care.